Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 226, episode 5 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Friday, March 4th, 2022. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. So maybe I might not have to drink my pee now if Omicron is over. Omicron's over. Omicron's over. That, that was supposed to be All the Stars by Kendrick Lamar and SZA. I got it. Okay. I know, you're there. Yeah. Hey, I really appreciate that. That was Kersia at Gerald Bryce on Twitter. And I'm thrilled to be joined by my special guest co-host, a producer behind the scenes on shows like Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Welcome to our show. You've heard her on Pop Culture Happy Hour, read her at Vulture, the AV Club, Team Vogue, Pace, many more. She is the brilliant and talented Joelle Monique! Kill, 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 Marvel Defender, back in the house. Might go to some DC defending DC later Defender. today. That's right. Back as the Purple Dawn. Yes. <laughs> That's good. Oh, you know, a lot of people have been talking shit about my, my stance on Batman uh, behind the scenes of this show. <laughs> I, I thought that the Riddler played pranks on people and then <laughs> caught myself halfway through jokester. a sentence and uh, <laughs> and it got it got back to Joel. Joel was like, all right, I gotta come on here. Tell Miles to take yeah, a day. Said it Tell right. Miles to take yes. a day. I need to talk to Jack about his uh, Batman blasphemy. I'm gonna say we, we're gonna talk about it later. I'm very excited mm-hmm. about this Batman. But that should be. Before we get to any of that, Joel, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a very funny and talented podcaster, author, and TV personality. She's the author of the book Tropical Attire, Encouraged, and Other Phrases That Scare Me, and hosts the podcasts Alice and Rosen is Your New Best Friend, Childish, which is a podcast for parents and people with parents uh, that she co-hosts with Greg Fitzsimmons, and Upworthy Weekly. Please welcome the hilarious, the brilliant, Allison Rosen! Hello! I always, always, always love joining you guys on this podcast. It is always the highlight of whatever week slash month that it is when I'm on here. And now I'm about to embarrass myself because you guys very clearly laid out that, Jack, you embarrassed yourself when you did this. So I don't know what kind of nihilism is uh, propelling me to say this, but the Riddler didn't play tricks on people. What? See? No, he I'm not asks alone. you to solve riddles. He makes you solve which riddles. Which leads you to different Allison. places. Oh. He's like the he's like the zodiac, but just like a little bit, you know, funnier. Those feel those but that feels like wackier. pranks in the form of questions. Yeah. His whole existence is a prank on all yeah. of us. But <laughs> did the Joker ever have like some clownish like you know he's obviously oh, yeah. gone in he's a, a dark... clown prince of crime like you gotta think about like batman started in i mean really started in the 20s but like hits the popular culture zeitgeist later in the 60s and so in that era you have like a lot of goofy criminals running around like you know we smash them into a giant pie or like you know batman has bat repellent but right. over the years, they sort of evolve, you know, in the 90s, you get a much darker Batman thanks to Batman 89. And so some of these villains become, you know, still sometimes comic relief, but more um, sinister, you know, until eventually we get to Heath Ledger's Joker. And this is sort of our first sinister look at 
a Riddler character. And I'm really excited about this movie. Yeah. I love a good Dano. And I, Paul I like Dano, the, hell yeah. I like the tone that the movie seems to have in the trailer and mm. the touch It's points. gray, but there are colors. It's yeah. not just blue. Ooh, thrilling. I, I'm personally very excited about Colin Farrell. I, one of my, I, I think he's like, for whatever reason, he just seems to be cursed to be in a lot of bad shit. But mm-hmm. I think he's a very good actor and I'm excited. He's to an see. actor who's got a 50 50 career. Yeah, yeah. It's really a coin toss. It's like, <laughs> is this a great movie or why is you, why are you yeah, in this? What are you doing? So the what villains happens? will not be smashing people into pies in this one? Probably not. Know you know, maybe that. as a finale, it'll be very darkly like, you know, a uh, uh, Sweeney Todd version of <laughs> making people like a into a pie. Although, yeah, exactly. I will say that the touch points that people are using, they're saying it has more in common with Zodiac and Seven than mm-hmm, other superhero mm-hmm. movies. And what was John Doe from Seven but a, but a real prankster? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Just a real goof. <laughs> Right, who asks people oh, no. questions? Dark sense of humor. Yeah, he's just asking like, questions here. Right, like like uh, like an installment of Jackass, if you will. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh just no, grim. This is a very very dark alternate timeline. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm excited about it, but we're gonna do a uh, a segment a little later on in the show that uh, I just invented this morning called "What's Making You Happy." Uh, not beep, beep, used wait, by any other this? podcast, no, not so. a show that Joel regularly appears on called <laughs> Wow, Pop Culture I'm Happy hear Hour. About this. A, if anything, they stole it from me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no. That, you in, like you invented a, happiness, right? Before I, I now, a, people were searching for a way to you, describe Allison. that feeling. They were like, well, what is, is it? Frivolity? <laughs> is it? It's like it's <laughs> the opposite of sad. Sometimes it, it involves smiling. I just. Gotta back to the drawing board. <laughs> what is this sensation? I can't believe I didn't realize. Like I asked the question: Did the Joker ever have any goofy things? I was raised on Adam West Batman. <laughs> I with, was gonna say, like what? And even Jack Nicholson Batman like had the like. Didn't mm-hmm. he have a flower that squirted something? Acid bad sure on did. Yeah, Come burn on, your Jack. face right up. Mm-hmm. I've I've been out of the out of practice for far too long when it comes to he had a whole dance Batman. scene to Prince. Yeah, in an art. Gallery, like, but that was uh, sinister. That was hmm. taking acid to the face was a real fear, or maybe is still. That's of all the horrendous things that can happen to you, and I think I speak for most human beings with flesh on their body. That's a real Mm -hmm. dark fear. I don't know if you guys remember. I I feel like maybe I'm a little bit older. There was this very bad but compelling show called Divorce Court on television when I was growing up. Oh, and yeah. it was, But it was fake cases, right? So unlike People's Court with Wapner, which were actual real cases, Divorce Court was scripted, but you couldn't necessarily tell. Right? Well, I just found out Cheaters was not real, and now I have to learn that Divorce Court I'm was sorry. fake as well? I'm sorry. What? To, I'm sorry. If we, we could believe it. My sick it. days are ruined. I know. What happened? There was, so there was someone on the stand who, or no, maybe it I can't remember which direction the vial of acid flew, whether it was thrown from the stand into like a lawyer. I think it was thrown toward the person's like on the witness stand. But anyway, during testimony, someone got a vial of acid thrown at his or her face. And it was very intense, but fake. That's more proof that it was fake. But that happened during a case on divorce court. Mm. Yeah, well, truly horrifying. It, it haunted me almost as much as watching Fantasy Island. I get it. 
Well, we're going to talk about some other some things happening in the court of public opinion with the mm. divorce a little bit later on. Mm. We're also going to talk about so there's some developments in the January 6th case or sort of developments. Uh, just they, it seems like they think they can refer Trump for a crime. Oh, my goodness. Fingers crossed. This is just it's feeling more and more like it might be the best chance we have at keeping him out of office in 2024. So I want to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about briefly the two fronts of the war in Ukraine. You know, Russia is because they don't care about human life or, you know, they're just slowly bombing everything in their path moving forward. It seems like military people are like, it's a matter of when, not if, like they're just going to do what they want because they are bombing civilians and civilians are going to get the fuck out of the way. But then, you know, we're hearing more and more about the impact of the sanctions on Russia, the kind of next level economic warfare that's being waged on Russia, which sucks for Russians, is is my read on the situation on the ground there. People are saying the last couple of days it has turned to like everybody just waiting in lines at ATMs trying to get money out and flee the country and then uh, not being allowed to flee the country. And so all bad things over there. So we're going to talk about all that upsetting shit. And then we're going to talk about some stuff that makes is making us happy. All of that, plenty more. But first, Allison, we do yes. like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? I recently searched watermelon sheets because I have two little boys. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And we recently bought them bunk beds, sort of out of a weird desperation because my five-year-old recently decided he doesn't want to sleep in his room anymore. He's over his room. I think something spooked him. We haven't. I know a lot of parents deal with their uh, kids wanting to sleep in their bed a lot, and that becomes a whole thing. We really haven't dealt with that, except lately that's been happening. So we've been thinking that if the two of them were sleeping in the same room, they would both enjoy that. And maybe that would like be a solution to this. So we went, a- went ahead, bought the bunk beds. And so Elliot, my five-year-old, announced that he wants watermelon sheets. And he thinks Owen should have dinosaur sheets. And if they don't have dinosaur sheets, then Owen should have backyardigan sheets. I don't know if you guys are familiar with backyardigans. It's actually backyard a really good. Backyardigans. Oh, so We're good. Created by a black woman. Love yes. it. The Owen is obsessed Classic. with it. He has a little Uniqua yes. stuffed animal and a little Tyrone stuffed animal. Uh, uh. It's all he wants to watch. And he calls it back at the Gardigans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all he he went from watching a bunch of shows to uh, it's 24-7 back at the Gardigans. He's obsessed with it. He loves it so much. I like the music too, so it actually works out pretty well. But anyway, it's really good on that one. I we really have not like gotten into watching it, but the that is on some very early mixes that were in heavy rotation in my yeah. in my household, and those are the ones that I actually miss. Yeah, it's preferable. There's some music that they can lock into, mm. like Barney, where you just want to like jump out a window. So thankfully, this is pretty good. Ooh, yeah. So yeah. anyway, I was trying to find watermelon sheets. I found some watermelon sheets where the watermelon. They're wearing sun. It looks like it's like the opening of Saved by the Bell, like threw up on a bedspread. So it's watermelons wearing sunglasses. I told Elliot about this. He seemed excited. He looked at it and this is not what he was imagining. 
He told me he imagined round <laughs> watermelons wearing sunglasses and the watermelons would have arms and they were would be, and this is a visual, but they would be like going like this. Right. <laughs> like pointing to the sunglasses. So oh, back to the yeah, drawing yeah. board. So I've just been looking for variety of sheets with watermelons on them. Elliot has a vision and I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know our listeners somewhere, someone knows where the hell these sheets are. Right. And need to give them to Elliot ASAP. Tweet at Allison Rosen. Yeah. Can we do the California raisin, but just replace it with a watermelon? Because oh. that seems like what we're looking for. Yes. That would how be cool. has not How has a better fruit not gone with that same strategy and just been like, <laughs> what if our fruit was really right. fucking cool? Like that? Right. Yes. Let's try that. Play jazz sax. Right. Hell yeah. Do you have you ever had Tim Kalpakis on the show? Do you know who that is? I know who it is. I've, yeah, and his, I am revealing a lot about how many episodes we've done, how broken my brain is that I don't know if we've had him on or not. Um, I have I have people like that too, where I'm like, that sounds familiar, and then I'll be like, oh yes, and I talked to them in depth for an hour and a half because I had them on the show. But anyway, his wife is also a podcaster and refers to herself as a fruit fluencer. And mm. I feel like she, if if no one gets in contact having found these sheets, she might be a source I could go to because she is a fruit fluencer, so she yeah. might know. All right. You know. So anyway. Let us know. But it is a question when your five-year-old has a very specific vision, how far do you go trying to find it? Because I could also, like, just get him some sheets, you know? Yeah. Yeah, be like, ah, I don't know, man. We we spilled some <laughs> watermelon juice be- on there. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the best we could do. But then you get right. to be the hero when you come home and you're I like, know. I discovered them. Like my mom used to sew my costumes when I was a kid. And so she can make me like anything I wanted to be. And it was way cooler than whatever like crap the store had. Yeah. Uh, and it was awesome. But I, now as an adult, I'm like, well, I really worked her. Why? <laughs> she That's so cool. Spent $20. But instead I got like a very elaborate little red riding hood with like eyelet lace around the hood. And I oh, wore that thing out. Oh, yeah. He's classic. already decided. So he's very into Adam's family. He's he's despite the brightness of the sheets that he wants, he's like a tiny goth child. So he already yes. has decided he wants to be cousin it for Halloween and he's working with <sighs> grandma and she's already gotten him the cousin it costume that he wants. I mean, we're in March now and he's already like every day talking to her about this cousin it costume. So, Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> cool. That's precious. You have the coolest five-year-old I know. ever. Cool. That is so, oh man, I'm that's dope. Busily taking notes over here and I'm going <laughs> to report to my five-year-old when he gets home, what he needs to work on. What kind of sheets does he have? He has train sheets. He's, he's still uh, like, basic. he's not he, very basic, but he's, he's like a train obsessive, like from three through about five months ago mm-hmm. and the train sheets are mostly like just coasting on the inertia of his past Got obsession it. owen is also very into trains specifically thomas and percy yeah his favorite thing to do would be watch like out of context shots of real trains just driving across the countryside over oh like, yeah nice. just not non-stop to the point that we had to like outlaw just it's basically train porn like that's what it is it's like out of context (laughs) shots of trains moving and yet it's not running a train (laughs) yeah it's not that i know i haven't watched all of them oh no what is uh what's something you think is overrated oh okay 
Listen, I don't know if I've done this one already on the show. I worry that I have because this is how intensely and passionately I feel it's overrated. And yet I can't, I don't think I have. I think, and I'm sorry to sound like Garfield, but I think mornings are overrated. And also I think getting into the shower immediately upon waking, which I know some people swear by. And I know that my not working early in the morning privilege is showing. Uh, I just, (laughs) especially lately, I feel like, Getting in the shower right away in the morning, it's so violent. It's so violently wet. I have to get up. I have to, like, shuffle around. I have to drink coffee. I have to resent the fact that I'm awake because I do have to get up early because of my kids. But I'm, like, I'm not committing to being awake. I am squinty. My feet are just, like, touching the... I'm just... I'm sliding around. I'm drinking coffee. I'm grunting. I'm moaning. I'm resisting it. And I know that more, there's something so virtuous about mornings, but I don't think there should be. I don't get why morning is really any better than late at night. So I feel that mornings and earliness and all of that is overrated. Mm. Okay, so I am with you on the virtuous aspect of things. Like, I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. And I love and understand people who are like, no, nighttime is great. Nighttime is great because no one is effing bothering you. Right. The piece of trying to get things done at night. I used to be the night person. Like I would get off work at like nine and then stay up to like four in the morning doing like my schoolwork. And that was very helpful Mm -hmm. Um, because, again, nobody wants anything. So then when I start the day, everybody has what they need that they asked for yesterday. Now you have it now. Please don't bother me. We're at peace. And then I'll get back to you late afternoon. And that's a good system to work on just as far as like getting things done and feeling organized. But the mornings... Okay, shower, yes. I understand, like, I'm going to shower at night and be clean in the morning, and that's fine. But, like, it's just full of possibilities. Anything could happen. It's morning. It's so early. Like, the nighttime, you're only like, oh, my God, here comes the sun. It's coming. Hurry. Move quickly because the sun is coming up, and we can't deal, and then there's going to be people, and that's very anxiety-inducing. But in the morning, oh, my, the whole day is ahead. I love getting my planner out and be like, what do I need to do today? I just go through my little checklist, and then I open my emails, and I work on the West Coast, so the East Coast people have already, like, dropped all their requests, and I just find it very peaceful, especially since I started meditating in the morning. Now it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm just going to breathe into this morning, and it's going to be really great. And then by, like, you know... I don't know, 1130, the, the glamour of that has worn off. But you did have a couple of very precious hours where you were like, man, I can do anything today. I'm not going yes. to lie to you, but Allison, to me, that sounds like a real virtuous ass morning that Joel's talking about. That's, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's real morning person talk right there. That was. Here. And and. The tell was that by 1130, the glamour wore off. Because really what yeah, she was saying is by 1130, the virtue wore off. Right, right. Yes, yes. I, that's like, I was that kid in school who, I, there were like, it was like, I don't know if you guys had, I feel like it was called like SRA reading or something. It was like this thing that we were all doing together, but it was somehow outside of the curriculum where we were all reading books and it was somehow a competition and as long as I was ahead of everyone, I was super into it. But once I fell behind, I was like, fuck this. And that's how I am with mornings. Like if I can wake up on some weird morning really early and I get all my shit done, then I'm into it. But once it's just regular 1130, nah, now I'm yeah. just tired. It's only fine when it's a competition. There, there are just <laughs> back to the like bathing first thing. Like there are certain things that having kids has made me 
like appreciate with a fresh brain, like bubbles mm-hmm. are pretty cool. It turns yeah. out like trains, yeah, yeah. construction sites, they're actually cooler than I was giving them credit for in my early 30s. The getting into and out of a bathing apparatus and like changing your body temperature and like being dry, then like <laughs> completely soaked, then like not soaked anymore is it's a big deal. We mm-hmm. like we we get used to it, but that that is like a fight every single night with my kids. And I can't tell them like, no, it's going to be fine this time when you get out. It won't be <laughs> absolutely freezing and you won't be like kind of, you know, twitching all around because you're cold <laughs> and then like slipping on the ground. And uh, it sucks. Jack, every time. Get them heated floors in the bathroom. OK. So that their little toesies touch <laughs> right. warm oh, floors when yeah. they get out. I wish okay, big giant so fluffy towels. Oh, you're good to That's go. That's how I get them ready for the cold war world. <laughs> we all live in. Yeah. Cold bathroom floors. <laughs> what is something, Allison, you think is underrated? I think I'm already worried that I'm not going to articulate this as well as I'm uh, imagining it in my head. But I think that kindness and stating something in a kind, gentle, direct way is underrated. I feel like, and this might be a social media thing, but I feel like there's this premium placed on boundaries right now, which I agree with. Like, it's really good to have healthy boundaries. That is something I struggle with. And I think a lot of, just to make a gross generalization, uh, a lot of women for sure struggle with boundaries. But I think that there's such a premium placed on boundaries that at least in social media, the way that it's discussed, it's like, here's what actual boundaries look like. And then they'll list these boundaries that to me, it comes off so harsh. And I actually made note of them. Like, you don't get to tell me how I feel. That wasn't funny. It was offensive. If I want your advice, I'll ask. You don't get to comment on what I eat. All of which I agree with the sentiment of them, but I do. And if you're dealing with an asshole, fine. You know, that's great. Say something that that's that direct. I just think with each of them, there is a way to say it that is a little bit gentler. I think that in real life, most people aren't trying to be awful. Most We could give people the benefit of the doubt. Most people are just kind of bumbling about and they don't really mean to do so much harm. So I feel like in the um, service of self-care, sometimes we're actually being pretty mean to people. Or So I think what we, we might be losing speaking in, I say, yes, let's speak in a direct manner, but let's also try to be kind. Let's not. Yeah, kind, gentle, direct. Yeah, but but we can't throw out the direct part. Like, Sh- right. we, we shouldn't go so far to be kind that we're not saying what we mean, because I know mm. that I can definitely do that. I can, like, just. Yes. Ooh, it's a fine yeah. line. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. There's something to be said for, like, how am I communicating my needs to this person? Right. Am I communicating it in a way that they feel they can come back to me again? Right. Yeah. And, like, have and, like, still do this conversation or am I shutting a door? Sometimes I mean to shut that door. Um, yeah. But not always. You know, sometimes, you know, I agree with you. For the most part, I think everyone's just doing their best and, mm-hmm. and trying to be helpful and supportive and, and get through their day. And there's definitely ways we can have conversations. But, yeah, directness is a challenge. Yeah. Right. Of, I'm bad with boundaries. And one of the things that I find now that I have discovered boundaries are a thing and that I need to communicate them to other people, my own boundaries to other people, 
as someone who is just learning how to do that, I will do a bad job of it, get let the like, you know, idea of like, I got to set this boundary, Mm -hmm. like build up inside and then have a tendency to do just the worst job of communicating that and and then, like, as you get better, as I've gotten slightly better at doing it, it's, I found that, like, I, I think I had my mind, like, boundary as, like, a single, a singular, like, you just stepped on the line, dude, and now you're <laughs> fucked. And it's more like uh, being good at communicating it, like, in a lot of ways over, over time, mm-hmm. which is a lot of work, mm-hmm. but I think it's something you can practice and, like, get better at. But Right. And and, yeah. and maybe for people who have trouble communicating them, that sort of overcorrection is necessary at the beginning. Yeah, I think kindness, yeah. kind, being like kind, gentle boundary setting is for people who are good at setting boundaries. And it's yeah. like something to aspire to. Right. But definitely, you know, right. set the boundary instead of not. Yeah, that's why I say I think that in a way I might be directing this more at social media than at real life because mm. it's these TikToks and these, you know, things on Instagram that I find myself looking at where I get frustrated because it like, you know, just tons of th- of things online where it's like, here's what actual boundaries look like. And I read it and it just it it it's like this come is coming off so unnecessarily harsh to me. And again, yeah. that might be a me thing. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an every everyone thing. Mm-hmm. But All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about the news. Woo! And we're back. And yeah, during the break, we were just talking about how much we love the news. Oh, so good. Every time you read it, it. it's only filled with nice things and it's uplifting, really gives me hope for the future. So Perfect. the January 6th commission in trying to get a look at like thousands of pages of emails between Trump and one of his advisors did kind of indicate that they think they will have an argument for a criminal charges against Trump. And, you know, this is being treated as a big deal. I like it could be a very big deal if they can like make charges stick. I, I do always want to say having like gotten swept up in the Russia stuff in the in the early days of the Trump administration, like we're at the still very early stages and we're only hearing from the people building the case and not from the like defense attorneys explaining why the case is going to be hard to make. And which is what got us in trouble there is like you just hear like people being like, well, it could be this. And then it gets this momentum. That said, an ongoing investigation of a thing we all know Trump was doing because he was doing it publicly, trying to stop the peaceful transfer of power with occasional details, facts slipping out. I feel like it it is lining up to be probably the biggest thing standing in the way of a Trump 2024 nomination or election because what he did was illegal, like the attempt was to overturn the results of an election and prevent the peaceful transfer of power. Like we heard the calls with the Georgia election official where he's asking them to like find votes for him, like fucking boss tweet. So I don't know, like whatever the emails reveal, it just 
feels like as the way the timeline's shaping up and the pace of this, it's a, at least a major liability for his campaign and for the Republican Party to be dealing with. But are you thinking it's going to sway opinion about him or are you thinking logistically it's going to get in the way if he is put away? Because my feeling, well, first of all, let me say I have now come back to a place that didn't bring me happiness because I wasn't even and I don't know where I guess I have my head in the sand. I wasn't even thinking that he was that he was like a real potential shoe in to be back in office until I came on this very show and you jacked. And Miles were the ones who were like, oh, yeah, we think it's going to happen. And I said, no, I, I, I have been trying to ignore the fact that my because my husband is like a real uh, uh, doomsday prophet about that kind of stuff, too. And I just tried to not pay attention to it. And then I was like, now there's too many voices saying it. So anyway, I feel like the people that want him reelected, nothing is going to stop them from wanting him reelected. And I think that, you know, they love the fact that he doesn't follow the rules, that he's a real shitty guy, that he'll do whatever it takes. So I just don't think even irrevocable proof that he has broken the law, they're fine with that. They love that. You know, so I I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. But logistically, if he, you know, if he is unable to be on the ticket because of convictions against him and stuff, that could be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I don't think, like, and the the other thing that is, like, kind of cresting at this moment, and I don't think the January 6th investigation is cresting necessarily, but, like, the, it does feel like people are kind of having second thoughts on the whole authoritarianism thing mm-hmm. that everybody seems so hot on during Trump's administration on on that side of the uh political spectrum and yeah. like Putin and now it's like you know China and India it's like that it's basically like dividing the world on on a axis of like authoritarianism versus not and you know Trump still even though he has said a couple critical things about the invasion of Ukraine, it still feels like he, you know, his record kind of speaks for itself on that one. So I could also see that kind of coming into play on the public opinion side. But that said, I I don't doubt that there's a massive kind of undercurrent of mm-hmm. authoritarianism that is still there that the mainstream media is still unable to detect through polling and that will get him a shocking number of votes. I want to be hopeful, but it just sort of like you when you were talking about the the you know original Russia stuff. It just I feel like Charlie Brown with the football. Like I just feel like I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to get my hopes up again about any of this shaking out the way it feels like it should. Yeah. Depending on how far they get into actually prosecuting him, I wonder how long till he flees to Russia. <laughs> I mean, there's one thing we know, like Trump is a coward. He's not he's not marching with his people. He's not going to jail. So I think that'll be interesting to see a, a former president on the lam from the U.S. government. Could be yeah. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good I, reality show. I feel like he would think he's above it because he has been to this point. Like he would think he's above mm-hmm. it until he is handcuffed and in a prison cell. But 
I also feel like he probably is above it because of just how America operates and he's oligarch and used to be president. He probably can pull a lot of strings to protect him. I just don't know if it will be enough to make it so that he is still a likely presidential candidate. But who the fuck knows? I've been surprised so many times. I've also heard people talk about like how the Russia invading after everyone was like, but it doesn't make sense that they would invade. Like you can't like no way they would like that. It it kind of echoes or like rhymes with the 2016 election and just this world where like the wildest storyline, like narrative, that direction that things can go is what happens because I yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's surreal to revisit that time. And then, like, we were watching Key and Peel the other day, and there's like, they do a bit where it's like Hillary talking to Obama, and they're like salty with each other for, you know, Obama basically quote stealing Hillary's time in the office. And now she's like, and now it's my turn. And it was like, there was no thought that Trump could win at all. Um, and it is sort of weird to see people sort of still have that mindset of like, oh, but definitely not again now because we've learned our lesson. And it's like, has a lesson been learned? Or did a couple of people <laughs> go to jail for a few months for trying to overthrow the government? I mean, I'm not calling that lesson learned. Yeah, no, definitely not. All right. And then just kind of the the update, and this is kind of all over the place, but just to acknowledge it, like the thing that people seem to be saying about Russia's invasion of Ukraine is that like militarily, like it's going badly for them, but it's also like they don't give a fuck. They're just slowly rolling forward, doing war crimes to get everybody out of the way by like bombing civilian targets. And that has been their strategy in the past. And it's just a matter of time before they take over the entire country. So militarily, it's it's bleak. Over one million people have fled Ukraine, like to which that's a huge human rights travesty. There's also uh, we're hearing about like this being a two front war, and then the economic sanctions being sort of the most drastic and impactful that we've ever seen in the modern world, where they basically just like turned the entire economy off, like Western powers did to to a certain degree. Their stock market still hasn't opened up. They're like people have limits on the amount of money they can get out. People are fleeing and being stopped at the border. And there's like reporting. I'll just read from I think it was an AP journalist was saying that like, yeah, so life in Russia is deteriorating extremely rapidly. So many of my friends are packing up and leaving the country. Their cards are blocking huge lines for ATMs, rumors that borders will close soon. What have we done? How did we not stop him earlier? So it it seems like, yeah, from from inside the country, another quote, our economy is going to hell. So it it does seem like it's, you know, we, we already spoke about the US, U.S. economic sanctions in countries like Afghanistan that are absolutely, you know, devastating and causing loss of human life. But this is sort of seeing that sort of sped up and made even more dramatic by just having the coordination of everybody in the world. So it's and I think some people are looking at this and being like, this, 
you know, this is very drastic and concerned about like how Putin responds, which I feel like is a thing that is out there. But I feel like we haven't really talked much about on the show, but it is does seem to be at the center of like the zeitgeist and how people are thinking about the world right now. It's just really awful that the people are caught in the middle, because as you've pointed out, he doesn't care about the people. He doesn't care about his people. So it's not what if it doesn't have the desired effect? Right. It's yeah. I mean, there's a large there's a long history of Putin and Russia historically being much more willing to let their people die and suffer in order to accomplish their overall objectives. Right. Like that, that's the military. Yeah. That seems to be their military strategy this time and always has been. But let me rephrase. I don't mean to say he doesn't care about his people. But but maybe he doesn't. What I mean to say is the cost of human suffering, I don't feel, is top of mind for him. He's yeah. he's made peace with that. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. I yeah, think. I don't think. Yeah, no, he's not concerned with other people or. Yeah. Their, I mean, because otherwise, why would you just march into Ukraine? I also think that like revolution, as we understand it, is so different with um, a nuclear option. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hanging over. I mean, it. <laughs> It's one thing for, you know, um, an all-powerful ruler to move against the best needs of his people and and kind of go on a conquering spree. I mean, history has thousands of those, and we've seen sort of how we deal with that. Either a bunch of folks come together and tackle it, or the people bring out the guillotines. It's an entirely different thing when he's got power to push a button, and technically no one can object to that on his side. So it's 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 so much to think about i've caught myself having like the doomsday scenario i mean particularly living in like the economic heartbeat of america <laughs> it's not a great vibe the doomsday scenario being world war three like we all vaporize yeah i mean just the nuclear option period right. like i mean yes it's one thing to like if we were to enter a technical like world war where we have multiple battles being fought across different countries like that's awful and and the death tolls of those are just tremendous and unthinkable but the nuclear option i think just because it has such enduring effects on Mm -hmm. wherever that shit lands is i mean it's catastrophic it's alter it literally scars and alters a place for Mm -hmm. infinity it's truly a horrifying thought that we have someone who might not be in full capacity of their brain who is angry who is already making these what people thought would be impossible choices. Yeah. That he, that he can at any time just decide, well, if you guys, then I'm just going to take out a city. Yeah. Uh, Should we try to set some boundaries with him? (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens. Yeah. This is what happens when you don't set boundaries. What do you guys think is his goal? That's something that Daniel, my husband and I have talked about. Like, does he want the old borders or is, does he want to, you know, annex and accumulate and take over as much as he can? Does he want to take over the world? I mean, I think it's first restore Russia to a previous glory that he believes it once held. And that includes lands, that includes finances, that includes global power. And then I think at once, if he were to ever achieve just that goal, then yeah, I don't think there's any end to Mm -hmm. his want and desire to rule. And I think, you know, being a, a... toxic man who yeah. runs a country. I really think that his idea is just like, I deserve to rule this, and so I'll take it by force. I mean, I think he has more in common with Trump than we 
like to imagine in terms of like his motivations. I don't know if you've like watched the videos where he goes and like plays hockey against professional <laughs> hockey players <laughs> and like they're all like pretending to like not be able to stop him because he's like so good wow. at hockey. A 70 year old man against a 19 year old. They're like, oh, sir, you're so yeah. strong. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's a lot of like, you know, individual shit tied in i also don't want to make it seem like he is completely failing at his initial like crazy psychopathic mission because like Mm -hmm. as the producer justin just pointed out in the in the um chat (laughs) you got it one week uh (laughs) as the producer justin just pointed out in the chat uh most russians still believe it's you know, the U.S. and NATO, they're causing this. And it's, you know, the, I, I think in some ways, a lot, there's a lot of articles coming out today being like, China's really regretting becoming like friends with Putin. But I, I think this also, like, they've also had to like, you know, abstain from votes condemning it. And it does, from a military standpoint, like create this alliance of China, Russia, India, that at least you know, starts to put, like, move things in a direction that is pretty terrifying and probably good for Russia in the long term. Wait, most so. Russians, okay, I haven't read this article. Most Russians believe it's the U.S.'s fault still, according to New York Times. Most Russians believe it's our fault that the there's a war with Ukraine or they believe the sanctions are our fault. I think that know? there's a war. The war oh. is caused by the U.S. like trying to put Ukraine in NATO or bring Ukraine into NATO, which is seen as like a military, like a military affront to Russia, Um, which, you know, like that's there's definitely. Which doesn't even that the fact that they would then invade Ukraine, because if I'm understanding correctly, because we refuse to say we're not we we're not going to bring them in like that doesn't even makes sense as like okay then we're gonna invade that doesn't even like make it's not even logical right he needed a a thing that caused it right he needed like Mm -hmm. the inciting incident for the war and he couldn't come up with one so he like did some like half-assed like yes nazi claiming they're nazis Mm -hmm. also he owns the media so he's like there's yeah he's good when the kremlin (laughs) can just pump out a storyline repeatedly You know, and you're not getting a lot of outside information, you know, you're going to some people will believe what they're told. And there's obviously a subsect in Russia that is against this war that understands that it's not the logical choice <laughs> moving forward. But at the same time, like there's just so, he's so much power and reach in his own country that it's kind of hard to combat that from like an outsider perspective. So according to Russians, they are being told this is stopping a global war. So Yeah. That, a lot that, of disin- yeah. disinfo. Yeah. And they're being told by clips of Tucker Carlson. So <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about some pop culture stuff. And we're back. I don't know. There's the Kanye video that dropped mm. yesterday. I I don't know. So so I, I haven't watched it, Joel. You were saying it's yeah. pretty upsetting. I mean, it's 
Listen, yeah. the my first thought is, okay, when was the last time a celebrity had an issue with beheading somebody in an artistic expression? It's Kathy Griffith when she held the decapitated head of Trump, which I thought was a hoot and a half. I didn't see it as threatening. I understood to some extent, you know, you're not supposed to, like, paint pictures or... or like produce images of violence against the president but then you know i remember obama being lynched in effigy in a lot of early parades uh, that were anti-obama so you know here we are art and criticizing it and sort of trying to come to some conclusions about what it means if i separate the fact that pete davidson is a real person who's still in his 20s and just look at it as an art piece of like here's a guy who essentially blew up his own relationship, is going through a lot with his baby mama and the kids and the incredible intensity that is fame, who has bipolar and right. is, you know, either, I'm not sure if, like what where he's at working on it. I don't know what that is. I do know mental illness is not an excuse for your actions. You still have to be responsible for them. Um, speaking of somebody with multiple mental illnesses. That being said, like, the rage is palpable. The art is good. Not oh, really? morally, but just not morally, but just in a this black and white claymation, part claymation, part live action video is interesting. It evokes a very clear emotion. It is, I think the just again, just from an artistic perspective, like the rhyme scheme hits the visuals of what he's trying to depict works. On the flip side of that, there are like real people involved and Kanye like many celebrities of his ilk, I'll include a Taylor Swift in this, understands that when they say something about somebody, their audience takes that to heart. Nicki Minaj fans are the same way. And as a celebrity, you have to be aware of like, who are my fans and what are they capable of? What have we seen them do before? And I do think that Kanye is sort of spreading this message of like, get Pete Davidson. It's not direct. It's not, it's not... It's not a direct message, but it's definitely there subliminally. And I think it can impact some of his younger, more impressionable fans. If I were Kim, I could see being afraid. Like this is, we talked prior to recording, if this were a private citizen, like there would be a good reason to call the police. Absolutely. He's just posting pictures of like killing my new partner. I don't understand what's happening. It's very frightening. We have children involved who, you know, don't need any of this in their life. Yeah, And so from that, it's it's hard to, I think on the one hand, like as a, a person, I'm pretty, I don't even want to say appalled because I've been in an emotional state where you're just like, ah, the rage. But I, I do wish that there was any kind of deeper thought than just here's my rage plain on the page. You know, if there was, Kanye's artistic depths are very vast. He has the capacity to sit down and fully articulate himself when he wants to. And I think this is just reactionary. And because of that, I think it has the potential to be a dangerous message. And I so, mean, yeah, it's yeah. yeah that, I mean, I will say and, and finally, just that uh, the like decapitated image of Pete sometimes has like a cartoonish vibe where he's like sprinkling seeds over and growing roses that I then think he puts on Pete's own casket. It's like very strange. But then there's other moments where the sculpture and the lighting, it looks pretty authentic. And that's. Again, in the same way that I think there was like an uproar against Eminem when he was talking a lot about like making whole songs and very articulated audio designs of 
murdering his then wife. There comes a line where you're like, yeah, there's just there's a point where you as a viewer are like, oh, I don't wish death on this person. And I don't want to be a part of anything that might lead to the death of an individual. Yeah. At the same time, like, yeah, artistic expression, man, it's it's a lot. And I, I, I shudder to like, you know try to contain that in somebody, but I don't know. I mean, what if Baron Trump too. sees this? Like he's going to be... <laughs> That's definitely what they said about Kathy. Uh, like, he's oh. going to be so confused, uh, according to the talking points around the Kathy Griff one. He's not... He can't God tell the difference between... Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't seen it. The whole thing is claymation. Like, there's no actual pictures of Some feet. of it is. Uh, I oh. believe it's the game who is also on the song. Yeah. His part is live action mm-hmm. and then some parts like the actual parts with like the pete davidson head are all claymation what's interesting is to think and i have uh, obviously haven't seen it yet what's interesting is to think about how many people were involved in the making of it and you know knew exactly what was was they were creating and yeah. i wonder what their yeah. thoughts about it were well, Kanye's team has no problem. Like a few years ago, you might remember, like he did a video with him in bed with a bunch of lookalikes of people he's had different types of interactions with. So there's a Taylor Swift lookalike in there. There's a Kim lookalike. I'm pretty sure it was a Kim lookalike. You're not actually Kim. And a bunch of other people. And I like this. His private and public life are not separate. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very he's become very famous for just posting people's tweets, which is like, stop tweeting Kanye. He will just like screen grab it and post it on his Instagram. So, yeah, I don't. When when I think about artists in the past who live that way without separating anything from their private to public life, there's such a visceral desire to consume that person's life and sort of live the secondhand existence next to them think about like an Andy Warhol type mm-hmm. you know everybody wants to go be part of Andy Warhol's clan and like get painted by him or whatever tried to assassinate him those yeah yeah because so, it breeds obsession and yeah. if that line isn't blurred then there should be and I think probably made much worse by social media there's there's the line of I'm an individual and you're an individual who do not actually know each other becomes so blurred Particularly, you know, Kanye courts his fans a lot in this, like, I would say, like, the third sort of act of his career as we know it so far. He has, like, a lot of private events. You can only listen to his album if you buy a specific device upon which you can listen to. Like, it's very closed off and removed from everyone else. And so it creates this sort of, like, cult-minded mentality. And I don't think I'm being superfluous when I say that. I really think that... If you look at the design of his clothes, all muted tones, all one look, like there isn't a lot of space for individuality. Either you're a part of the Kanye train or you're not. And while that makes for extremely loyal fans and consistent revenue, I do think that there's an aspect of you that has to look at how you're influencing your fans and and examining what they do and and condemn when it's gone too far. And I don't think we'll ever see that out of Ye. And I, I also just don't think that he is fully in his right mind now. And that's scary. Do you think he's endangering Pete Davidson and Kim? I do. I do. I'm not saying that it's in the same way that I thought it's hard too, because I've gotten caught up in this before. Like I thought the Joker was an irresponsible movie when it first came out. Now I just think it's kind of dumb. 
and silly, but we were so heavy into the throes of Trump and that whole like Proud Boys era Mm -hmm. where it was just so intense and very scary. You know, I have friends in Los Angeles being assaulted at gas stations at the time because they looked Latinx. Like that's very intense. But in the end of the day, like it was a piece of art that didn't have much to say and nothing came out of it. But did that take away from it? I don't know if art is dangerous or if it's the interpretations and Mm -hmm. the actions people choose to come to. You know, there is there's Kanye saying, I want Pete Davidson dead. Which is, you know, a horrible thing to say and also smacks of um, domestic abuse. You know, you, you can't if somebody leaves you and goes out for someone else, you can't attack the new person they're with. That's domestic violence it's it's a terrible thing and it happens a lot and oftentimes escalates to violence against women all of that is very scary but it's not a direct threat and therefore i'm not 100 comfortable saying like this is enacting violence because mm-hmm. at this point in time it's just an artistic expression right yeah i totally hear you and the question of like with whom does the responsibility lie and it's so absolutely and it's like so dangerous. I totally get what you're saying, because it's so dangerous to want to contain art. But at the same. Yeah, I totally get that. But at the yeah. same time, like there's something more here that feels. Worrisome. Yeah, as a third party outside of all this, like I think at this point in time, my only goal is like I hope Kim is doing the right thing she needs to do to protect herself and her children. And as always, I'm hoping there's somebody in Kanye's camp who really loves him, who is like, hey, man, like we can we can help get you like whatever you need. You, you have all of the access and money and funds like you don't have to be in this much pain, as much pain as that song is conveying. Uh, you don't have to live with that. You could be doing other things with your time and your life. It's precious. It's minimal. What yeah. would you like to be doing? It can't just be chasing after Kim. That's got to be exhausting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Do should we close out with a couple things that are making us happy? Oh God, yeah, it's been a downer day. Sorry, listeners. So, Joel, it's time. Yeah. Drag my ass. It's, <laughs> it's Batman time. I, even Batman! though I'm also excited for for it, but no, what you're excited, you feel good about Ooh. the the director. Yeah, and I got a little time, so here we go. Okay, Batman. Some of you, if you followed me at all to other spaces, you understand, like, Batman is my earliest memory. My The very earliest memory I can access is watching Batman the Animated Series on the couch with my dad and my brother and my mom. I have been obsessed. I, too, Allison was a dark goth child. I really <laughs> liked learning about, like, mummification. And then somebody was like, they had a whole bunch of instruments of torture back in the day. And I was like, I want to learn about all of them. And Batman was, like, the first character who... I was introduced to who experienced genuine angst, right? His parents were murdered. And I really think that started my love of like Victorian literature. And they're very obsessed with death. I just like, I loved that here was this guy who was channeling all of his hurt into trying to help. But then like later as my love of Batman continued to evolve, I was like, oh, he's really channeling his hurt into more hurt. And then you get into the thought process of like, here's a billionaire with access to everything and he chooses to use his time punching people in dark alleys. And then there's the idea of like, oh, vengeance. And what does that mean? And, and where does that become like a toxic trait? And the more I think about Batman and the way he's taken a tragedy and allowed it to consume himself, 
I can't not love that character. <laughs> it's so dark. It's so self-destructive. And then he creates like a faux family around him. I love my chosen family. I have a very tight-knit collection of, of people that I love who I spend holidays with and stuff. My, my actual blood family is great, too. Love them. But chosen family is so, so important that people choose to come and be with you and love you and, and see you through difficult times. And then on top of all of that, it's housed in Gotham, maybe the most epic. It's like if Chicago and New York became a hybrid city, which is honestly where I would choose to live if it were a reality. It, it's got blimps and L trains and it's dark but also very gothic in structure in the anime series it has a red sky it feels like it's on another planet and all of this essentially boils down into batman is a badass and he lives in the most badass city and now this movie comes along and they're like we're gonna add sex Woo, guys <laughs> that is the best combination there's been a lot of talk marvel is a dominant cape and cowl like space right now which is fair. Again, as I always say, Disney has earned the praise. They've done amazing. No one's ever done this before. That being said, it's still Disney and they got to be squeaky clean, okay? Your cap is fine. He got blue eyes. He believes in truth, justice in the American way. Kudos. I don't want to see a guy who believes in blood on his fist, okay? I want to <laughs> see villains that never pull their punches. There's no altruism in any of these villains. Like, we're not... Thanos snapped because he was like, well, maybe I can make it better. I'll just do a horrible thing and take that on my shoulders. Is that psychotic? Yes. Does he believe he has altruistic values? He does. Okay, fine. Yeah. I get it. Everyone's trying to do good. Again, what if we just came to a world where bad guys were just real bad people? Just awful to their core didn't i love living in the world of like i'm from chicago one of the most politically corrupt places in the world give us some political corruption beyond just oh like we're with hydra okay we get right. it nazis terrible i want to see the guy who's like yeah i did close down that orphanage so i could build a parking lot what of it they're on the street too bad kids should have kept your parents like ugh. Mm. i just it's it feels more fantastic at this point than aliens Right. It's it's both steeped in realism and so the extreme of what you can never no one is putting on a latex bat suit and going out to kick ass because it doesn't make sense. But what if someone did? You would want to see how that played out. Well, first of all, speak for yourself on no one's going out fighting crime in a latex bat suit. I forgot that you had the secret costume in your basement ready to go. That's my bad, Jack. Yeah, we've seen that in the pirate costume live right next to each other. Yeah. But yeah, that and then casting Zoe. We have a black cat woman again. The world is right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And they're going to fuck and it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> we need sex in superhero movies. Give it to us. Ugh. Yeah. I just, I can't tell you. And I haven't been this buzzed. Like, I was really excited for Spider-Man. It, like, Spider-Man is, who doesn't love Peter Parker? Like, so charming. Love that kid. But Batman's my guy. And he ain't been done right in a long time. I'm sorry I'm not a Ben Affleck Batman stan. I get it. You guys love him. I'm happy that you have him. But it wasn't doing anything for me. No. I think Robert Pattinson can be my, my Batman. I'm looking forward to having him. Yeah, just like real goth. Like, go real, real hard goth on mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. You, so you didn't mm. like the sex scene from the Spider-Man with, like, all four Spider-Men? Uh, you know, when it got to the DP scene, I was like, this is a little much. <laughs> uh, 
I want Disney to go back to the squeaky clean universe yeah. it used to be. I think this is going to work on a different level. Plus, it's got, um, oh my gosh, why can't I think of his name? Andy Circus in it. And uh, whenever that guy shows up, amazing things happen. Yeah. Has not been in a bad series yet. His selection choice is superior in Hollywood. So I have nothing but faith. Allison, speaking of P, the well, <laughs> you, your uh, thing that you're excited about is Pam and Tommy. Oh, yes. Uh, I have been very into Pam and Tommy. I am not I didn't watch this week's episode yet, but the I watched the first episode and I was like, I'm so into this. And then I watched the second episode and I thought, I think I'm over this. And then every subsequent episode I've been I'm like, no, I'm not. I can't I cannot watch this fast enough. It's a real guilty pleasure. I I I have no attention span these days except for this show. I think it might only be half an hour. It goes by very quickly. So it is a guilty pleasure in that I saw the headline of an article. I did not read the whole article. But I think the gist I'm getting is that because Pam, the real one, did not consent, did not give her a... Oh, oh, wait, it's an hour, apparently. What what show was I watching? Anyway, who cares? There's some show that I was like, I can't believe this is on. I'm getting hour. 31 to 50 something. Like each oh, episode is a different length. 32 to 51 minutes really? is the running time. I said, that is yeah. so that's so odd. I How love streaming. Why not? That is weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they every chapter in a novel has yeah. to be the same length, you know? I mean, just the magic trick that is transforming Lily James and Sebastian Stan into Pamela and Tommy is amazing because they do look like it's like spitting images. Come on, prosthetics. Yes. Yeah. It needed to be done. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. And I didn't know whatever I thought I knew about that story. I, I didn't know that many of the details. Seth Rogen is great. And but anyway, the article. So so the, the real Pamela Anderson did not consent to her life story being told. So I think that I think there's I feel like I read something about like essentially it's kind of re-traumatizing her for this to be told. So really, we shouldn't be watching it. So I feel guilty about the fact that I'm watching it. Although, like I said, I only read the headline. I didn't read the whole article. So maybe it didn't even say that. But I have mixed feelings about the fact that I'm enjoying it, but I'm enjoying it nonetheless. Yeah. So I recommend it. That's kind of the gist. Some people, uh, the and I'm paraphrasing a quote right now, but essentially that she was like, shocked and a little disturbed that this whole thing was going to be rehashed. Yeah. Um, I do sort of wish they had sent her the screeners before they aired it. Yeah. Because I think she might have been comforted by the fact that apparently, at least it seems to a lot of reviewers that they're trying to make her out to be this like feminist icon and it's she gets very some sympathetic speeches. to her. Yeah, it is very sympathetic to her. She comes off well. Okay, so producer Justin is saying, and I thought I saw something to this effect yesterday that now she's going to tell the real story in a Netflix documentary. And I do enjoy the way Netflix and Hulu are like, yeah, uh, they they are real. Uh, they they really hate each other, it seems. Uh, so, no, they love each other. Listen, that's bolstering because they don't have a lead in show like a network does. Yeah. And so now I have to watch both fire documentaries. And if that's I watch true. one, I'm good. How wrong did Hulu get their Pamela Anderson story? And in the that's doc, true. Is it they do feed off or each is other. Just yeah. Pandering. Right. But yeah. They feed each other. But isn't sure. the story right. that like somebody was doing like deck work for them or like construction work at their house, like Tommy? Yeah, he was like, doing stiffed them, and so yes. as payback, he stole a safe. Yes, 
Yeah. So the Seth Rogen character, who's actually had been a porn star as well, he was doing construction work at their house. And then Tommy Lee, like, kept wanting to change what was being done. And all of it, he hadn't paid for any of it. But he kept saying, like, you know, I'm good for it. You know, I'm good for it. And then he wanted to change another thing. And it was going to be like another bunch of money. And so the construction workers, guys, were having to front it with their own money. And they were like, look, we can do it, but we're going to need the cash up front. And he refused. So then um, he like fired them, claiming they'd done shoddy work, which supposedly they had not done shoddy work. So then the Seth Rogen character came to, he realized he left his tools there and he came to pick up his tools. And Tommy was like, you're not taking your tools. Like I fired you. And then he wanted his tools and then Tommy pulled a gun on him. So he like, uh, in the, I don't know if it's true, but in the show, he pissed, he pissed himself, was like completely emasculated, left. It was very sad. Uh, He had a flashback to a, a sad thing from his childhood as well, left, and then decided he wanted revenge. So he came back and stole a safe, did not know what was going to be in the safe. Right. But in the safe was a whole bunch of stuff, including this tape. That, that Hiring a porn made. star to do construction on your house. Did not know he had been a porn star in the past. Okay, got it. Yeah. Interesting. It does just seem like the setup of a porn. Like, it's like, I forgot my tools. <laughs> Is yeah. anyone home? I just forgot right. my tools. Yeah. Right. And in the series, the way he remembers that he forgot his tools is he's at home having a little wanking session watching porn. And mm-hmm. in the porn he's watching, he sees a toolbox. And then he's like, uh oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I will talk about the thing that's making me happy on the trending episode, which actually dropped yesterday. So if you guys want to hear what what's making me happy, you can travel back in time and listen to that. But Allison, uh, such a pleasure having you on TDZ. Where can people find you and follow you? Oh, please follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram, A-L-I-S-O-N-R-O-S-E-N. And please listen to my podcast. Allison Rosen uh, is your new best friend. I have Priyanka Wally, who is a doctor and a comedian on Monday's episode. She is co-host Hypochondriactor with Sean Hayes. And then I have um, the Doughboys, uh, Nick and Mitch on the Thursday show. And then my lighthearted, if you like this show and you want more news, although mine's more lighthearted uh, uh, uh on saturdays upworthy weekly and then childish is on wednesdays go check those out as well yeah yeah and is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying yes uh, also a guilty pleasure i just discovered spencer pratt from the hills uh yeah. is on tiktok and is apparently according to the comments his nda has expired so he's like Angry and unhinged in the best way. So he is going back and showing clips of the original Hills and the current Hills and pointing out all the the scenes that were scripted and that the producers set up. And like he'll show a a phone conversation between him and Audrina. And he's like, this was this never happened in real life. I was on the phone with Heidi. The producers had we're talking to Audrina. They fed her the lines. They made it look like we were talking. There's an old scene where Heidi tells Spencer she took a pregnancy test. And he's like, think how fucked up that is. That was, you know, 40 year old producers telling a 20 year old girl to to pretend that she was having trouble with birth control. That never happened. Like he's basically just laying it all out. And I cannot get enough of it. That's on TikTok. Spencer Pratt. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So good. Joelle. 
Truly a pleasure having you back, guesting. Where can people find you and follow you? And what's a tweet you've been enjoying? I'm Joelle Monique. You can find me all over the internet at Joelle Monique. That's J-O-E-L-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. At Solomon, Missouri, posted photographs of a billboard from an insurance agency that say, show your mind, not your behind. It's images of a man sagging his pants and a woman with an A-plus posterior and some white booty shorts juxtaposed with those same people in graduation robes. And the tweet says, I'm going to do both because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God bless. <laughs> Get it. You can have an education and th- show your ass. Ain't no problems. Live your life. There you go. Insurance company. What are you doing? Get out of here. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Some tweets I've been enjoying. Amber Treadway tweeted, where did Scar's accent come from? Did he study abroad? <laughs> At Palavi Gnalan tweeted, I had a friend who put a frozen burrito in the microwave, and when it didn't heat up, she threw the burrito away and tried heating up a different one. And that's just such a good encapsulation of, like, my brain when I'm tired. Like, and I just can't make decisions, and I'm, like, on a weird autopilot that doesn't work. So I appreciated that. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. To the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you should go check out. Justin, super producer Justin, uh, what song do we think people should go check out? Uh, This is a very interesting track by a, I believe he's a UK artist. This song is called Underwaterfall, uh, one word, by Bear Cubs. Very interesting inspiration here. It sounds like a future garage, lo-fi, house-inspired track, but that doesn't describe it so well because it sounds like it's going to be one of the most fire rap beats you've ever heard. And then he just goes into this droning, sing-songy voice that's very hypnotizing, and I, I love it. And when the uh, the chorus comes in, the song just expands to this huge soundscape that you can just get lost in and then he goes right back to the simple keys that you'll hear um in the beginning it sounds like a mix between a a light sound pad and a a steel drum so you can check this out in the footnotes that's bear cubs under waterfall awesome all right well go check that out the daily zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows that's going to do it for us this morning We're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to y'all then. Bye.